The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Month, actually. So we'll see how it unfolds today. Uh, my name is Bruni Davila, and uh, here to my right is Chris. Clifford and Liz on the left, Liz Powell. So and we've been creating these, these conversations with you, all these uh, different paths on this. Um, so just to summarize, just to backtrack what we have covered so far and see if any of you have any questions, celebrations, comments, concerns. Um, we started uh, the Eightfold Path with uh, Wise View, and we talked about the Four Noble Truths and how also our actions are consequential. And then we um, talked about Wise intention, and we explored uh, the different wise intentions of uh, goodwill, compassion, and letting go. Um, we then um, talked about wise speech and how we can uh, practice wise speech by seeing when it's timely to talk, to speak, um, how we can speak about what is kind, what is beneficial, what is useful, and what is true. And then we talked about wise action. And um, we talked about wise action uh, also within the context of the precepts. And, um, and today, we're going to talk about wise livelihood. Uh, so, does any, anything that maybe come up for you, that bubbles up for you, as, as you're settling down and maybe listening to you know, what you've gone through in the past weeks, anything that you want to share for the benefit of the community. Maybe, maybe what you would share would be the same concern or question or reflection that other person in the group has. So. Please, and if you can use the, the microphone for the benefit of everyone that is doing Hi. the... Sure. Um, so I think um, I, have, I have a bit of... Uh, sometimes I feel a bit overwhelmed that there's so many questions we could ask about, about ourselves, and I'm wondering if you have any recommendations about streamlining, streamlining that. Because, you know, it's just re realistically, I, I'm not remembering... You know, it might help if I just heard something about that. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. sure. Um, you know, I, I would say if there's anything that has been present for you, 
like today, just is there anything that has been present for you in terms of the Eightfold Path? Oh. Or, um, you know, we're going to be talking about life, livelihood, if there's anything there that pops up for you. So... Yeah, the weekly oh, email, the weekly reflections. And he feels overwhelmed and he wanted to ask if you have tips. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any other tips? <laughs> it's definitely going to be part of my talk today um, because especially... It's Mike too. Um, now you can hear me, right? Um, especially with Right Livelihood, I find I can get overwhelmed. But one thing I've done in programs like this in the past where there have been a lot of reflection questions is I just see which one speaks to me mm. the loudest or seems to pull me. And you can practice with one of these things all month, all year, all lifetime, and get plenty out of it. So definitely, I, I've been where you're talking about and appreciate the simplicity of just picking what calls to you. And a related question is, <clears throat> well, what do you think is the um, kind of most skillful way of um, of using those reflections? Or like, when will you bring them up to memory? When will you look at them? When will you reflect on them? When will you kind of just let them sit there and? and see how your life goes with those questions in the back of your mind? Mm -hmm. And when do you actively, like, do you work? Like, yeah, how do you work through them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> I, I can't share something, well, I but I just thoughts, wanted but, you know, to but, give you a chance. I think I, I would read them over when they first come so that you do have them in mind. You know, and then you know how your day goes. It might be that maybe you want to make an appointment with yourself in the middle of the week to read them again. You know, and just, uh, I would just let them be in the back of your mind, you know, and, and um, if that appeals to you. And then maybe at some point, maybe before you go and see your mentor or something, might be a good time to take some notes about what you've observed. Mm -hmm. That's one suggestion. Sometimes, um can, can you load the volume a little bit, Jean? Thanks. Um, sometimes before sitting, I see, okay, let me see what, um, what has been. Yeah? Okay. So what? Okay. So what, what like, um, what is bubbling up? If, if there's something that is bubbling up and, and I like, oh, let me see what is in the Eightfold Path. I just go through the, I go through the acronym of uh, the Eightfold Path. I visal MC, you know, like the first letter of each factor. And I'm like, oh, view. And I leave it there with no, okay, oh, view, okay. And then I sit, and then after I, si uh, after I sit, then I just, 
um, sometimes do um, a stream of consciousness writing on view. So that's, that's something that has been very useful for me. I also appreciate you named um, having it at the end of a sitting. So sometimes I'll do a complete sitting and then look at the question or the reflection and then just let whatever bubbles up, bubble up. You know, not deliberately trying to think about it, but just letting the words percolate. So um, I just wanted to comment on something that's um, been coming up with each of the the Eightfold Path ones we've studied um, is, like I say, mostly with wise speech and action uh, has been, there's been this kind of underlying, when I think of a certain event or a certain uh, situation, there'll be kind of this initial fear, and then there's some anger. And um, at first it was hard for me to just watch it, you know, be angry and then watch it go. I guess that's a phrase, but and uh, but I'm I'm realizing there's benefit in that. So I just want to make that comment. Thank you. Do you mean a, a situation related to wise speech or wise action comes up and you see anger as a factor in it, and then you watch it go? Yeah, yeah. Well, great. I mean, it occurs to me that maybe just the fact that this way of looking at it and working with it is available and also up in your mind, you know, is giving you some context for holding the situation in a different way than you might usually. Yeah. There's more So, thank you. It's been a, an incredible class, I think. Um, the, the speech thing was really a, a turnaround for me, uh, right speech. And um, in the past two months, I would say that you know, my, my life has really radically ch changed. I've been really careful um, about right speech and... Um, changed every single relationships I've had on a positive way. It's just amazing. You say it's, it's um, great opportunity for why speech is, is one of the factors that, I mean, we practice all of them. We can practice all of them every day and and why speech is so there, you know, that uh, there are so many opportunities to recognize it. Um, uh, should I say my name now? No. Okay. Don't need. Okay. Okay. Uh, but sometimes it just when it's like somebody poke you, and you have. Okay, he's not poking me. It's his story, not mine. And then you have to take a deep breath and step back and say, okay, mm. do I need to jump and say something? 
or should I just let go because it's not telling me anything that is pertinent to me. Mm. You know, like when people judge you because what you did or don't do, it's in their mind, it's their, their issue, not mine. If they want to judge me because I put a, a, a lipstick doesn't match or a big bright lipstick, who cares? Mm. You know, it's my doing, not them. If they want to take a space on their mind about what I do, not my problem, right? Mm. And this is really helping me. I came back from like five years away from here, and my first sitting, it was incredible. 45 minutes in this room. At the beginning, it was kind of adjusting, and then mute. It was the best meditation I ever had. Hmm. And then I heard Gil talking, and then I keep coming on Mondays. And then I'm getting familiar with, with all the people that are here, working here. They're kind of good, giving a goosebump every Every of you that opened the mouths to say something, you're just saying to me, it is incredible. Thank you, all of you. I, can't, I have no words. Words doesn't explain what I'm feeling or gratitude about this place and the institution. Thank you very much. Thank you. sit a while. I thought today it might be we're here in the middle of our um, ethical factor section and uh, I was on retreat last week with Gil and Lee and Lee introduced a little bit different translation of the metaphrases that connects back to wise intention nicely and connects with the sort of the intention of being wisely happy in social situations and also reminds us of the causes of happiness and peace that we often wish for are, comes from the qualities of wise intention in our own heart. So I'll just offer these slightly different translations of the metta phrases. And I'll say them a couple of times if you're not familiar with this practice. You just kind of silently let these phrases resonate in your heart. I'll say them a couple of times and then leave a couple minutes of silence for you to work with them. And we traditionally apply them first to ourselves and then maybe to a person or people. I thought maybe someone connected to your work or your livelihood or your relation to society. It's easy for you to wish well for. And then I don't know how much time we have. We might do a neutral person, somebody you really don't know well enough to have an opinion about. And maybe these phrases also are easy to apply to difficult people since it's wishing that they can cultivate the real causes of happiness. Okay? So let's close our eyes and just take a few deep breaths. May I be free from enmity. This is a word that is a synonym for ill will, hostility, bitterness, hatred. May I be free from enmity. May I be free from hurtfulness. May I be free of troubles of mind and body.
May I find wise and lasting peace and happiness. May I be free from enmity. May I be free from hurtfulness. May I be free of troubles of mind and body. May I find wise and lasting peace and happiness. So bringing to mind someone, perhaps in your work life or in your societal interactions, that it's easy for you to wish well to, a friend or a mentor or benefactor. May you be free from enmity. May you be free from hurtfulness. May you be free of troubles of mind and body. May you find wise and lasting peace and happiness.
And moving on if you feel like it, but feel free to stay with yourself or an easy person, if that's what you'd like to do. If you wish, you might bring to mind someone that you've seen but really don't know, someone representative of everyone. who also wishes to be happy. May you be free from enmity. May you be free from hurtfulness. May you be free of troubles of mind and body. May you find wise and lasting peace and happiness. And again, if you feel ready and feel free to stay with any person who's opening your heart, you could bring to mind someone you find difficult in your workplace or in your society. Someone who also wishes to be happy. May you be free from enmity. May you be free from hurtfulness. May you be free of troubles of mind and body.
May you find wise and lasting peace and happiness. you feel like it opening up to all beings everywhere. We all have the same wishes to be free from happiness. Find the con- to be to have happiness and to be free of the conditions that block happiness. May you be free from enmity. May you be free from hurtfulness. May you be free of troubles of mind and body. May you find wise and lasting peace and happiness.
So we have this <coughs> rich opportunity with Right Livelihood, <coughs> excuse me, to explore what we take from the world and what we give to the world um, as we go about living. So it's not just, you know, going out and earning a living and making money. It's about everything that we do. And um, we're immersed all day, every day in this. And so this is a really important time on the Eightfold Path to regard it as an opportunity. All these opportunities through the day, not as a set of shoulds, you know, not as a burden you're going to drag along with you. Oh no, it's another minute of a bright livelihood. But rather that, you know, you have anywhere you look, there's an opportunity to practice right livelihood. So you can approach the practice through any number of different lenses. And one way is to consider four major areas of your life relating to others. And that can be at work, play, home, in producing, consuming, you know, anything where you're giving to the world or receiving from the world. Uh, second is actions that you take. Actions of mind, speech. You've already been practicing with these actions of body in all of those settings where you go about your day. The third is your use of resources. So as you live, what resources are you using? And fourth, and really important one, your relationship with your own mind as you go through any of these. So relating to others, actions that you take, your use of resources, your relationship with your own mind. So you can see it involves your whole life, every facet of it. And with right livelihood, we're actually working with the culmination of what's called the morality, the three morality factors or ethics factors of the Eightfold Path. So as we relate uh, to others and to ourselves, we're constantly engaged in inner and outer speech. And if it's right speech, we're telling ourselves uh, and others things that are truthful, kind, beneficial, timely, um, and that bring us together with other people. Um, these relationships are also where we're taking right action. So we're refraining from harming ourselves or others by not killing, um, by not uh, taking anything that's not given, and by not engaging in sexual misconduct. And now we have right livelihood, how we live our lives, you know, giving and receiving. Um, we got set in motion in all of this with right view, a basic understanding that what we do has consequences and also um, that some of those consequences include suffering and that's what we're trying to be free of here. And then also right intention, you know, looking, as Bruni said, at kindness, compassion, and letting go. So that's, that kind of started us off. We got into these morality factors and um, you can see how these three things, our actions of speech, our actions with our body, and our livelihood, um, can have consequences that can either lead us away from suffering or can lead us into more stress and suffering. So um, Bhikkhu Bodhi, in, in the reading in the book, reminds us of uh, the ways the Buddha instructed lay people to practice right livelihood. By gaining our wealth legally, 
not through illegal means, by obtaining our living peacefully without coercion or violence, by acquiring our money and goods honestly, not by trickery or deceit, and by acquiring them in ways that don't in entail harm or suffering to others. So when you think about these, um, you can see, you know, perhaps that you're already practicing li right livelihood in many ways. And I think um, that your, your daily living may involve working for a living. It could involve um, caring for children or elders. It could be volunteering. It could be interacting um, with the world as a retiree. Um, can be any of the ways that you invest your time, money, and effort um, in, and maybe in more than one of these roles at once. Um, and in those roles, chances are you're doing a fair amount of right livelihood. So I think it kind of helps to start by realizing and appreciating that you're probably not going around doing a lot of illegal things, if any. Um, that you're probably obtaining your living pretty peacefully. I don't, you know, you're probably not doing a whole lot of coercion or violence. Um, you're probably acquiring money and goods honestly. I don't imagine people here are engaging in a whole lot of trickery or deceit. Um, and I don't think, there's a good chance you're not inflicting a lot of harm or suffering on other people. So this is, in a way, you're really in a good place on the path already to have some measure of those in your life. So, you know, just noticing that as you go about your life, not only do you give that, but you receive it. You know, I was riding my bike and just appreciating how careful people are. I'm riding as close as I can to the sidewalk. People slow down and they carefully go around. You know, how touching that really is, that constantly we're watching out for each other. We're not harming each other. So maybe start with a little bit of appreciation for the fact that you're lucky enough not to be engaged in killing others. You know, you're not engaging in a lot of violence and you're um, probably pretty honest. Um, and acquiring and giving things in a way that doesn't cause harm. Um, of course, there's always the potential to practice with these more deeply or more completely. So, you know, when you think about doing things legally, maybe there have been times that you've been tempted to speed on the highway. Or a light is yellow, it's been yellow for a while and you're gonna really get through that really fast. And as it turns red, you just whip through it. Um, now, you know, that's a time when you can think about the fact that we've kind of agreed on certain laws um, to offer each other safety as a society. So that's, you know, a way to work into a deeper practice of doing things legally. You know, as far as coercion and violence, you can watch your internal speech, uh, you know, also your external, but you can watch your in internal speech, for example, watching the news. And just notice when your speech gets angry or edges towards thoughts that contain a bit of violence. Um, you know, or when you want to push your agenda a little bit more forcefully uh, in, in, with others in your life than is needed. Um, there are times, you know, working with children that you really have to stop them from what they're doing right now so that they don't get hurt or they don't hurt someone else. 
But there's also times when you're just irritable and, you know, you can respond with more vocal force than is needed. So, this, you know, these are areas to just explore finding more peace in your own heart. Um, you know, as far as being honest, you can notice if you edge towards deceiving someone else by omission. So, you know, is it, is it, um, are there times when it's hard uh, something you may want to say to someone else may be hard to say because maybe you don't like conflict all that much, but it's important to say it. Um, so that's a place to look at honesty. You know, sometimes we're din- dishonest by just going along to get along. Nothing wrong with getting along, but if it comes uh, to some harm for you or for the other person through omission, maybe that's a place you could look. Um, when you think about whether you're working or living in ways uh, that could cause harm to others or yourself in a deep way, you could look perhaps at habits of overworking. You know, are you really burning the candle at both ends and does that deprive you of adequate rest? I mean, I am astonished uh, hearing from people in Silicon Valley the kinds of hours that they work and really, you know, that they're fried, they're completely fried. And is that uh, really, I understand sometimes it feels compelling, it feels, or it feels compelled, depending on where you're working. But um, how that overwork uh, can be harmful to yourself, and maybe also it deprives people in your life of your company. Um, we can look at subtle or overt harm that we cause, because we have unexamined habits. Um, So is our national addiction to oil and gas best for other creatures and other countries on the planet? Um, Is the use of pesticides in your home or your garden um, necessary when you consider that the wastewater treatment plants can't filter those things out and it ends up in the bay and it ends up in your drinking water? Um, Do we use plastics that might blow out of the landfill into the water? Um, Or, for example, I learned this recently, that some of the facial scrubs that women use contain tiny plastic microbeads that cannot be filtered out in the wastewater plants and end up in the bay. And that there's now thought to be, there's sort of a plastic soup in the oceans that's interfering with the reproductive capability of marine animals, marine life. So, you know, are there some things we could do without? So reflecting on right livelihood in these more subtle ways, you know, if you're basically walking around not not engaging in violence, not killing, uh, not lying and not harming yourself and others, for the most part, you can deepen with these things. And this may be what Bhante Gunaratna is pointing to when he writes that we can take action from the place of caring for our own wholesomeness of mind. So, wow, you know, your own peace of mind is a pretty, or your own wholesomeness of mind is a pretty precious commodity. Um, There's a way you can go about your life with equanimity, friendliness, and concern for all beings. Now, equanimity is hugely important considering how many different 
ways. I mean, I just mentioned a whole list of things. I mean, you know, there's millions more. So being equanimous, you know, going about doing your best. And this is really practicing more in alignment with your heart's values. When you think about what you value, um, there are a lot of things you deeply value. And um, peace is probably one of them. Honesty, no doubt you value honesty. You appreciate other people honest, being honest with you. You appreciate people being nonviolent. You appreciate people not killing you <laughs> if you stop and think about it. So by aligning ourselves more with our heart's values, um, we can find this place of wholesomeness of caring for our own mind. Um, so the fact that every minute of every day is chock-a-block with opportunities to practice right livelihood is helpful because we have countless moments into which to wake up in this practice. Um, to move towards less stress and more freedom. And, you know, there's so many of them that that's also an opportunity for continuity of mindfulness. Each moment that you are mindful of, that you wake up into, there's more continuity of mindfulness, and that strengthens your mindfulness practice and leads towards liberation. So the fact that we're surrounded by these opportunities is such an important place to discover your relationship with your own mind. So if you see all of these things that you could practice right livelihood with, and you notice overwhelm, you know, this happens when people contemplate how they can reduce their environmental harm. Or if you notice self-judgment when your practice isn't as skillful as you would like, or isn't as frequent as you would like. Um, those are cues to step back and notice your relationship with your own mind. Your mind is having a relationship of aversion, overwhelm, like, oh no, this isn't good enough, it's not enough. So, you know, this is one of the places you can notice dukkha or the unsatisfactoriness of conditioned experience in human life is this feeling that no matter what you're doing, it feels like it's never enough. Um, that's the quality of dukkha. So I noticed that when my parents were elderly, I could never do enough for them. And these were the people who gave me life. I mean, you know, come on. Um, in our relationships, it can feel like we never have enough time or can't do enough to be a good sister or brother or friend or partner. I mean, really, there's no end to what we could do, right? Um, there is always more that we could do to be good citizens. There's way more political engagement and action that we could be doing. Um, the country does as a lot of harm as well as good using your tax dollars. Being a good citizen environmentally, you know, there's harm in burning fossil fuels to heat, your, heat and light your home, to drive your car. Um, there is so much that needs to, that could feel like it needs to be done that um, it feels, it can feel like your efforts are like a butterf butterfly sneeze in the high winds of modern life. But you have this opportunity to notice the relationship of your own mind to this and just notice, okay, this is the non-satisfactoriness. This is the dukkha of conditioned experience. Um, 
are we relating to ourselves by scolding ourselves, pressuring ourselves, becoming anxious by the things we're doing, not doing enough of? Or are we, you know, collapsing into apathy, getting sleepy, let me just go lie in front of the tube, you know, uh, let me take a nap, this is too much. Um, you know, this is the premier opportunity to practice non-harming and non-violence towards yourself, towards your own mind. Um, you know, as with any other practice, you can just begin by noticing your own attitude of mind when it comes up and noticing your relationship to what's happening. Is your mind tight and constricted? Is it thirsting? Is it craving? Is it clinging? Is it collapsed? Is it restless? Is it regretful? Is it doubtful? Just notice when that happens. Just notice. That's the healing. That's the cure, is just noticing. Oh, there it is. And probably there's some level of ouch along with that. Um, this is a place uh, where it can be useful. If you, how, how many people here have heard the acronym RAIN before? R-A-I-N. Okay. A lot of you are familiar with it. So this memory device of R standing for recognizing what's happening. So when these attitudes of mind crop up with respect to right livelihood, Recognize what's happening. Take it in. Don't push it away. A stands for accept that it's there. Allow it. Give it some space. Notice, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed, or I'm getting apathetic, or I'm getting restless around these things, or I'm peaceful with these things. I'm in equanimity with these things. This is going well. Allow that. Um, I stands for investigate, you know, Look at how it really is and what it really is. And then N stands for non-identification. This isn't me, this isn't mine, this isn't myself. You're not limited to any moment of your experience or your relationship with yourself. <clears throat> so I also like to think of other words that apply to this R-A-I-N with respect to right livelihood. So R for me, stands for relax. <laughs> Give your body and mind a chance to breathe and recognize ease as you see what's happening with right livelihood or with your livelihood. With your, what, what you're giving and taking in from the world, relax. A stands for allow. These things need time to be seen and experienced. You can't you know, look at the political scene and um, immediately accomplish what you need to accomplish internally. You need to hang out with it. You need to kind of allow for what's happening and study it for a while before you find right effort or the energy in your body and where that energy is going to go. Um, that I for investigate is, you know, for me a process of inquiry is a process it's not accomplished in the snap of a fingers. It's more like that process of letting a reflection drop into your mind and seeing how it percolates. And then N, in addition to non-identification, stands for not permanent. None of what we're dealing with in right livelihood is going to last forever. It's coming and going. So an important part of the path is to take time to explore what parts are creating stress and suffering. Um, 
So another really beautiful thing about having these myriad opportunities to practice right livelihood is that you can pick one skillful practice of mindfulness, just one, and experience the whole path just through that. Let's say you look at what you take in and give to the world and you decide your focus is compassion. You can just go, okay, in this moment that feels a little mm, not great, is there a way I can be more compassionate to myself or someone else? That could be your whole practice right there. So it doesn't need to be complicated to practice right livelihood. All these opportunities are just moments of opportunity to do the whole practice through one thing. Um, and these, this triad of morality factors is helped by and leading us towards what we're going to study in the coming months of um, higher consciousness, which is um, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. You know, by doing this morality path where we clean up our act, you know, we, we are more conscious of what we're doing in the world with speech and action and livelihood, we free ourselves up to be calm enough to then practice right mindfulness, right effort, and right concentration, and they in turn help us do a better job of having a life that's free of suffering. So, recognizing that this is a spiral, and we can keep going through it again and again, and deepening each time that we work with any of this. You've got plenty of time and plenty of opportunity. So I hope that these comments are helpful. Um, we have a chance now to um, practice this with each other. Uh, so I'm going to invite you actually to, let's see how. Ah, good, we have an even number. So I'm thinking um, since you liked uh, more of a reflective practice last month, let's break into twos. So find one other person that you can work with. And then um, what we're going to do is we're going to um, break the time up. Let me take a look at the clock here. Thank you. So um, you're, you're each going, find a place in the room where you can sit, where it'll be easy to talk. And I'm going to give you a question to do with your partner. Okay. Are you ready for the question that I'm going to give you? The question that I'm going to give you, and we're going to do this in the form of a repeating question. So what a repeating question is, um, if Bruni would demonstrate with me, I'll show you. The question is going to be, what aspects of your daily life feel most aligned with your heart's values? So I will ask Bruni that question, and um, then she'll give me one answer, and I'll say thank you, and then I'll ask her the question again. So... What aspects of your daily life feel most aligned with your heart's values? The people that I impact. Okay. Um, I should give you a mic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So say that again. Yeah, so um, 
the the people that I impact through livelihood, my livelihood. Thank you. So, Bruni, um, what aspects of your daily life align most completely with your heart's values? Peace. Thank you. So you get the idea. You thank the person after they give just one answer, and then you keep going. And when you're the speaker, the idea is not that you're trying to you know, tell the other person about your life, but you're trying to dig deeper in yourself and find things that you didn't already know about your heart's values. So we'll start with that, and we'll spend um, probably about uh, five minutes for each person to do it. We'll ring the bell, and then you'll switch partners, and you'll give your partner a chance to do it. Okay? All right, thanks. It's a ringer. <laughs> questioner. And the questioner this time is going to ask, how could you bring more of your activities into alignment, meaning alignment with your heart's values? So how could you bring more of your activities into alignment with your heart's values? Sure. How could you bring more of your activities into alignment with your heart's values? Mm 